All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your, for your sake, for your state rather. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall, shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had heard that he because you heard he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. Not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply lacking in your service toward me. This is the word of the Lord. We pray and seek God's wisdom as we begin to unpack this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this part of Philippians that we have read for us, and we pray that as we look at it now, we'll see deep, wonderful, life-bringing spiritual truths here. We pray that we might be encouraged, challenged, uplifted through our reading of your word and our study of it this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning in Philippians 2 verses 19 to 20, we actually come to what is a stylistically interesting part of the book of Philippians. Uh, what, we, what we see here, we might read and wonder what is going on. We've got a change where we've been for the last two weeks. We, we, we broke chapter 2 verses 5 to 18 up into two weeks because of the, the, the depth, the richness of theological stuff Paul was conveying there. It was it's just so rich what we read there. We read those verses, verses 5 to 18 of chapter 2, and we go, the teaching is really clear. We look at it. We know what we're meant to do. It just seems very straightforward. And then we get to the passage we've read today. And Paul starts talking about travel plans. He starts talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Paul, in a, a non-gossipy way, tells us what he thinks about these two guys. Well, what are we meant to make of all of this? Focuses on two guys. Timothy, we know a little bit about because Paul's written two letters to him, which are uh, preserved for us in Scripture. So we have some sides to Timothy, and we also see him pop up a number of places through the New Testament. But Epaphroditus is only mentioned here in verses 25 to 30, as in chapter 4, verse 18 of Philippians. The, the distance between us and what's happening in the page of the Scripture perhaps feels a lot bigger than it did last week. We're perhaps wondering how we can connect with something like this. Uh, some Bible scholars have looked at this passage, uh, verse 9, 
chapter 2 and said, Paul probably meant to finish his letter to the Philippians right now. They, they suggest this is a customary farewell. He begins to write here. And he suddenly remembers that there's more to write after this, so the letter continues into chapters 3 and 4. Uh, other people like uh, Karl Barth have, uh, have written about this portion of scripture and said, I quote, there is no direct teaching. Now, I have an issue with this sort of view of this passage of, of Philippians. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us all scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for, for, for teaching, for, for correction, for reproof, that the man of God might be equipped for every good work. All scripture God is breathed out by God, but all scripture, even this which we might think is just a travel plan, is useful for those things. It is useful for teaching us, for correcting us, for rebuking us, and equipping us for every good work that God has in store for us. This is not an indirect section of scripture. Uh, another problem I have with this view is that it's sort of heavily compartmentalizing each passage of scripture that it doesn't see continuity from one passage to the next. Now, when I preach, I know I only deal with certain sections at a time. That's because we would simply run out of time if we didn't do that. Uh, but sometimes when we compartmentalise uh, things, we, we lose the, 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 uh, the connectiveness between different parts of Scripture. There is a context for this. And when the people who first received this letter, the Christians in Philippi first received this, they read chapters 1 to 4 in one sitting. The entirety of it would have been read out for them in one block. And that is how they would have continued to deal with this. So it might seem a little bit unusual. There is a change in pace from where we're at this week. We might have to kick our brains into a, a, a different gear trying see what God is teaching us here, but there is clear, direct teachings for us in this section. There are lessons for us to engage with in our hearts while we are sitting here right now and to put in practice the moment we begin to walk out the doors here this morning. I'm talking lessons beyond the simple reading of this. Paul staying in touch with his friends about his travel plans, so we should stay in touch with other people too. Now, perhaps that is a lesson we learn from this. Perhaps that's something we need to do better, staying in touch with one another. If that's a lesson we learn from this, then fantastic. But there is more here for that. Now, maybe there's questions here. How well do we communicate with one another through the week? Again, good lesson. The goal is to begin to understand there is so much more in this portion of Scripture. As we've picked up from the title of the sermon, I think it's all about truth holiness, and duty. Last week I referred back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to help understand the context of what we were up to in Philippians at that point in time. This week I'm going to do the exact same thing because out of that we begin to grapple with truth, holiness, and duty on a day-to-day basis. The part of that that keeps ringing through is in 127, only let conduct be worthy of of the gospel. That is the base standard that Paul sets for Christians. Only let conduct be worthy of the gospel. And as we saw when we looked at this portion a number of weeks ago now, that is a high standard. 
That is a high standard, but it is still the base standard that God inspires Paul to set for the, for the believers in Philippians. And today, this is the benchmark. So how does that impact on verse 19 to 30 of chapter 2? Well, we see how that plays out by looking at both Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Paul sharing travel plans not only for, for himself, but also these fellows who he, he loves and trusts in the gospel. Uh, we, we see almost a, a verbal out on the back that Paul gives to these guys. It, it's actually a, a great thing to see here, the, the relationship between all of these guys. Timothy, Epaphroditus, and we've seen previously Paul's example, they seek to live up to this standard of having conduct be worthy of the gospel. They aim for this goal. So let's look first at Timothy, as he's the one who, who pops up first in the way that Paul writes, verses 19 through to 24. As we start, Paul has hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to them shortly. Now, I know we're reading from, uh, from the New King James, the word uh, we see there is trust. I hope is a better word. Uh, hope is a much more literal translation. This I get that in English we would interchange hope and trust quite a lot, uh, but in verse 24 there is actually the word trust used in Greek, and it can slightly change just a little bit in our heads how we understand this. So I'm going to say Paul hopes in the Lord to send Timothy to them shortly. I'm sorry to be uh, nitpicky. I think it's important that we have God's word as, as clear as we can in our heads. So with that nitpicking in mind, this, Paul has this hope in the Lord to send Timothy to the church in Philippi. Timothy, should the plan eventuate, is going to go to Philippi and be able to give a hopefully positive report to Paul, one that Paul anticipates is going to be positive, one that can rejoice in him how well they're going in the faith. Perhaps we get the idea that Timothy is given a supervisor and he has a clipboard and he has a number of tick boxes to see how they're proceeding that he's going to audit the church in Philippi. Perhaps wondering whether Paul, the Timothy is going to rock up. Does this church have Sunday school? Tick. Does this church have a group? Tick. Does this church have a crash? Yes. Do I like people there? I'm not sure. We're not sure what, the, what this audit might look like. I'm going to say this is not the audit that Timothy is doing. This is not this. Sometimes we, we do ourselves go to churches with this attitude. But Timothy isn't taking this approach. Now, presumably there's things that he is hoping to see. I mentioned last week that as we look forward to chapter 4, verse 2, Euodia uh, and Syntyche have had a falling out. Hopefully Timothy is going to see that resolved. Reconciliation, the church being knit together again in beautiful, wonderful ways. Paul isn't just sending Timothy so that he can be encouraged himself. Paul has great care for the church in Philippi, which is why he sends Timothy. Now we know from 2 Timothy that Timothy is a man who knew the truth of God. This man who has seen and heard of and believed in God God's holiness and has had the Holy Spirit work within him he himself seeks after holiness and to promote holiness in all that he does. This man who is committed to his Christian duty in response to seeing and knowing the truth and 
holiness of God. Paul says in verse 20 that there is no one as like-minded as Timothy. Paul and Timothy are about as similar as you can get in their, their, their love for the Lord and their love for people as you can get. Now that's really, really big rap for Paul to be giving Timothy, isn't it? It's a huge rap. What is it that makes Timothy like to Paul? There is a genuine sincerity that Timothy has for the spiritual well-being of his brothers and sisters in the Lord. He genuinely cares. He's not just going to be buddy with the people. He genuinely cares how they're going. You can imagine Timothy asking people, how they're going with understanding God's word. How they're going with prayers. How they're going with these sorts of things and helping them to, to understand God's word more. This is, this is his, his genuine care that he has here. Paul does contrast this in verse 21 to people who are just out for themselves. Timothy is not just out for himself. He loves the Lord, his God, above and beyond anything else. And that is reflected by his genuine, sincere heart for the church. Now, Timothy, Timothy's genuine concern for others is, is wonderfully clear. There is fantastic marker in his life of the work that God is doing in him. Timothy, while he may be a young fella, he, he has a track record to back up what he does and his, his credentials, Paul says. And Paul says, you know, I really send him to you. I hope to send him to you. And I'll send him to you depending on what I find out with my circumstances, with what's going on with me first. Now, that might sound like a selfish thing to do. But Paul is currently in the middle of legal proceedings in Rome that could determine whether he is going to be killed or, or, or set free. If he is condemned to death by Rome, Authorities would think that this amazingly faithful man of Paul would want Timothy to stay with him to comfort him even in those final days. But it seems Paul just wants to know what's going to happen with him. Is he going to be sentenced to death or is he going to be set free so that word of that verdict can be spread? Because the way Paul's writing is as soon as I know the outcome of this trial, whether it's ending my life here on earth or allowing my life here on earth, continue for a while longer, as soon as I know, I'm going to send Timothy. He is not holding to Timothy himself through all of those days. He's, he's going to release Timothy so the information that the church can be aware of what's happening. For the sake of the truth being taught, for the truth being upheld, and for the sake of grow the truth, for the sake of the holiness of God, being better ambassadored by the church, Paul knows it is his duty to send Timothy to Philippi, and Timothy, presumably by the way it's written, is willing to go, to leave this man who is like a father to him, to go and share the gospel and grow the church in Philippi. The more we know the truth of God, the more we understand the holiness of God, the more we are driven to serve him and fulfill our duty. This is what we see the whole way through section of scripture. As I said earlier, there is far more here than just travel plans or a simple message 
stay in touch. This is exploring what truth, holiness and duty mean in the life of the Christian. It means self-sacrifice. It means... It means being free from concerns that would otherwise cause us to be immobile. It means we promote God's glory in every single way we can. It means that we should be as giving as Paul and as clearly marked faithfulness by our sincere concern and regard for our brothers and sisters around us that Timothy had. nice to to say that but what can that look like one of my call it low-lying fruit easy to grab fruit that this could could be is is how we interact at worship on sundays do we ensure that visitors we have are welcomed if you come to prayer meetings which you're welcome to come to prayer meetings. We invite you, encourage you to come and pray with us before worship. Do we follow up with people on how they go and things they share? I can do these things better, and I'm sure we all could too. But these are some small areas where we get the ball rolling on showing that genuine care. It's a real part of Timothy's life. His knowledge of God, his understanding of God's holiness, doesn't lead him to just shut himself away with his books. It leads him to serve faithfully, to fulfill his Christian duty. All of that, we still have this other dude, Epaphroditus, to deal with. as As I said earlier, we only see Epaphroditus here in verses 25 to 30 and chapter 4, verse 18. In chapter 4, verse 18, uh, Paul is thanking Philippians for the monetary gift that they sent to him and Epaphroditus was the guy who carried that to them. Now, perhaps it was a bit muscly dude who would have scared off people who wanted to take that monetary gift. He was certainly a faithful man to be trusted with this monetary gift, but we don't really know a whole heap about him. But if we look here, just verse 25, three very important things Paul says about him. Here's his brother, his fellow worker, his fellow soldier. This was a guy who cared, who worked hard and had guts for the gospel. Uh, One verse we begin to get insight as to who this guy is. We see that Paul Paul loved him and respected him as a brother in Christ. And, And he was a guy who to Paul in his need. Yes, on behalf of the Philippian church, but it wasn't just, I'm here to do a job for somebody else and I don't really care about who you are. There was a genuine relationship formed as a result of that. And that's why it should be among Christians. And it's right that that be the case. When we have worship services, we focus on God first and foremost. Because out of having that, that focus on God first, we have... The, the byproduct of that, the outworking of that, is good relationships with one another. The horizontal stuff with one another follows the vertical focus we have on God. So Epaphroditus was a, a 
like their resident of Philippi, been sent by the church there to, to minister to Paul. So he was likely trusted by the church there. They met this guy. And this is a man who, who had grown very well while serving Christ. And the church of Philippi he was distressed when they heard that Epaphroditus was unwell, and Epaphroditus was distressed to hear that they were distressed. You see the, the relationship, the depth of that, which is again the outwork of the true love of God. And where Paul hoped to send Timothy to Philippi, not yet, I hope to send him to you. Epaphroditus has already been sent, or is in the process of being sent by Paul to the Philippians. It, it's possible Epaphroditus carried this letter to them. When you receive him, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord's goodness. This is beyond happy. This is rejoicing, celebrating a work that God has done, celebrating a ministry performed faithfully, celebrating this man being able to continue to serve God on earth despite being at death's door with sickness. Rejoice in the Lord's mercy. God saved this guy from serious sickness for, for his glory, for Epaphroditus to be able to continue serving God now even Paul saved from this piling up of sorrow upon sorrow. Paul's circumstances weren't ideal. He's in change. You can imagine the grief he would have felt if this, this faithful man had died while, while being a faithful minister of Christ to him at this time. That God was merciful to Paul, and Paul recognizes God's mercy to Paul, even in his preservation of Epaphroditus. When he comes to you, when you receive him, receive him with rejoicing. And we see more about this guy come out. Epaphroditus, Paul, we read in verse 30, because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, his power was lacking in your service toward me. He was willing to give it all up in order to serve God. So he knew the truth of the gospel is such that this life is not all we have. We have eternity to look forward to. He lived. He conducted himself worthy of the gospel. When we see the holiness of God in the words of Scripture, we should be moved like these men were to promote the holiness of God. We see in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah probably have a, a clearer visual image of the, the glory of God that will ever have until we get to heaven. He recognized his shortcoming before God. He recognized his unholiness. He recognized God's holiness. God said, who will I send? Isaiah said, send me. That was a very particular specific call for Isaiah. We may have heard that played out in the news in the last few weeks with a certain uh, large country, their military being the ones who answer this call of God. There's a specific call for Isaiah, but the principle there is when we see the holiness of God, do we respond to the holiness of God? and Epaphroditus knew the truth of God. They shared the truth of God. They lived in a 
which demonstrate the holiness of God is that us. It sometimes means taking a stand for what is good and right and just, but if you do not read the Bible to better understand the truth of God and better see the holiness of God, how will you be able to do this? You can't. And if you've read it, keep reading it. Scriptures are so rich, even these so-called just travel filler sections of Scripture are so rich that we could keep reading them every day over and over and over again, which I hope and pray we do, but still never grasp the full holiness, the full grandeur, the full scope of God revealed in them. Keep digging. Keep reading more because this informs how we live worthy of the gospel. Knowing the truth and responding to the holiness of God allows us to do our Christian duty. And it's important knowing the truth and responding well to the holiness of God come before duty. If we're just ticking the box, it's not really pleasing to God, is it? If we're doing it with no heart, if we're doing it with no regard for God, if we're doing it with no regard for those around us, it's not true Christian duty. But if it is duty fulfilled, inspired by these wonderful words of life we find in Scripture, a desire to know God more, a desire to see others know God more, even seeing others know God for the first time, then our fulfilment of our duty is pleasing to God. As we finish this morning, I hope that we can see these verses more than just a, a glorified, awkwardly placed travel that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. I hope we see and are challenged by our truth, holiness and duty are to be part of every single thing that we do. I hope that you're encouraged that we have men in the faith who have gone before us look up to see what it looks like. Timothy and Epaphroditus are carbon copies of each other. They had received different gifts, different abilities from God, yet still they use them for his glory. So should we. But to have these men who genuinely care and willing to say, I love God more than anything else, and for the sake of his glory and for the good of the church, I will go without certain comforts. I will promote the name of the Lord. The name that is above every name is a wonderful blessing. This is real. This is challenging. This is not an awkward travel log. This is what it means to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this portion of your word. We know there are times
times when we read sections of your word where we do have to work hard to see the wonderful truths that you are saying to us. Yet, Lord God, we thank you for your spirit working within us to allow us to see the depth, the richness of your word as we can. Thank you for what we have read this morning. Thank you for the commendation and the praise given to Timothy and Epaphroditus. And we pray, O oh God, might see how these lived and conducted themselves worthy of the gospel, be challenged by that, and seek to live life as ourselves. May your spirit work in us to this end, that your name be glorified, that every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We ask this in his name. Amen.